You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 232 episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim, your 2018 Schwamigan Fat Tire Festival champion, Hayes, in Orlando, Florida. And filling in for little guy this evening, this is Spencer in Boston. Second place, I think, at Schwamigan. Uh, I'm running out of ability to say that. 2018. Like, I, I don't know yeah. when you guys are going to put the sunset clause in that I can never mention it again, but um, little guy's not here. And uh, I mean, worst, know, just, worst, worst case scenario, Schwamigan 2019. And, and with with that, I mean, we, we do need to mention Spencer. It's the end of an era. I it mean, is. We're, 2018 we're, is. The door I mean, is closing. Yeah. Uh, like like Eric Saunders in a crit. He's a, the door is closing here. Um on it's, on you know we're recording this december 31st this is the day this is the day that everything's going to change going forward from today cycling yeah. is not going to be the same it's never going to be the same and i'm i'm very disappointed about the end of this era i mean i think that 2018 was was a good year it wasn't the best of it, the era it, but let's yeah it could have gone out we could have we could have gone out on a higher note, let's just say yeah. 2018. Yeah, no, 2018 could have been a lot better, Tim. Could have been a lot better. The Giro wasn't as good. Bike racing was not totally as good. It just, it lacked all the pizzazz that it deserved mm-hmm. and it was downhill, but it is, it is sad that the era is, is now officially over. Yeah. The era is done. Of course we're, you know, here it is almost 10 PM, December 31st. So we've just got, a little over an hour, um, you know, before it is really closed and done for good. But of course, we're talking about Pipo Pizzato retiring from professional cycling. His contract will end at midnight tonight. And, oh. you know, it's just, uh, I don't, we could I'm keep feeling... moving to the West Coast, right? Like, keep just, we could probably get another 10, 12 hours out of this until like it gets to Hawaii, right? Like the way that the clocks work. Sure. But, People, it was a glorious run. Mm-hmm. And although you may think only ju- God can judge you, we can all judge you and we give you passing <laughs> grades. Yeah, uh, we do. It, it It is the end of an era. He was, he was, I don't know why, but he was one rider. He wasn't like a winning rider really, but he was the one rider that I focused on a lot uh, on the Fossa Bordelow team, which is kind <sighs> of when I got into... So- watching the sport and you know Consolera was on that team uh Juan Antonio Fletcher was on that team oh. people was like one of the three musketeers I just hit my inhaler yeah because Alejandro Pataki was on the team man <laughs> in fact it's because of Alejandro Pataki that I went to my doctor and claimed that I had exercise asthma oh uh, well exercise induced asthma so for an inhaler sure. um Fossa Bordelow Spencer I I w- I'm willing to bet that of all the teams that the three of us like, 
from our formative years of being cycling fans? Like, because we, you know, we got into it when we got into it. We can't fault when we became fans. Fossa okay. Bordalo may be like, it might be on our Mount Rushmore of of teams that that we all collectively like. Like if the yeah. the three of us had to agree on four teams of our era of of the slow ride podcast fandom, I yeah. would say Fossa Bordalo would be up there. I I say Fossa Bordalo would be up there. I'd say Credit Agricole would be up there. I don't know beyond that what we would possibly agree on. Maybe AG2R. I think we can get little guy on AG2R. But maybe not you. I don't know. Yeah. We could just talk for a little bit. I don't bit. know this if little guy's going to be We'll save that one. We'll save okay. that conversation for That's sure. That's a but, 2019 discussion. Yeah. And there, it's the end of an era, but there's a lot moving forward. So, you know, like, for example, tomorrow is one of the greatest days in cycling because oh, yeah. it's Jersey Swap Day. Uh-huh. in cyclocross racing it's a jersey so now, jumble yeah it's a it's an old-fashioned jumble yeah. and we don't oh it's it's gonna make the racing actually exciting to watch a little bit from what uh you know vanderpool's been been doing out there i know i mean we, we might think somebody else is off the front for a little while before we realize it's vanderpool in a different colored jersey well or do you think vanderpool thought it was actually january 1st the other night when he was racing and he took out the, uh, the, the marshal on the course and he was like, Oh, that could have been Wout in a new Jersey. He was wearing yellow and Wout's got a new yellow Jersey. Possibly, possibly Wout yeah. does have a new yellow Jersey. Um, That's the, oh, there, there's been a fair amount of news since the holidays. I mean, Wout Van Aert is, is free. He's free at last. Like, he is. Oh my gosh. He's gone to the greener pastures, uh, following the footsteps of a Lars boom. So would you, Spencer, we're, this is going to be an old-fashioned jumble of a podcast, especially little guys not here to be yeah, the calming he's, influence. He's not here reining but, us in. Like, yeah, okay. the, people may not realize that uh, he's really the one calling the shots on this show. So, wow. Okay, so we already know Peter Sagan looks at Matthew Vanderpool and goes, Matthew Vander who? Yeah. Do you think now Peter Sagan is, is seeing that Wout Van Aert has teammates and he's like, hmm... I like, guarantee like, in my he heart of hearts that he does not know who either one of those guys are. <laughs> that is well, maybe. But I think he will serious. he will soon enough, but there has to be shaking in the boots of some of these guys that Wild Van Art has teammates now. Like possibly. Now look, he did now have they, teammates they, they, and they had a they had no. a very good year but then also a very bittersweet year with the passing you, of one of wild's teammates you could say he had teammates it technicality wise yes but in the strata bianca there wasn't anybody there helping him let's just no, you know no and then they also had such a tragic year right like i was just saying like with the the rider that passed but it was sure but the team still did what they could they were a continental team they were not a world tour team now wow yes who single-handedly captivated a nation on strata bianca with the falling over? Oh, yeah. man. Poetic. Rewind the tape back. What okay. about Vanderpool and uh, some crossing guard? What happened? Yeah. So there's the bike race that both you and uh, Bill alerted me to. It was the nighttime race in Crossland over yeah. there in Belgium. Yeah. And uh, Bill's exact where I was like, Bill's like, oh, yeah, you know, it was exciting because uh, Vanderpool hit a, you know, hit a marshal. And I was like, what? And he's like, don't worry, you'll see the gif. Sure enough, my Twitter feed blew up. <laughs> he lowered his shoulder. Like, it looked like he was playing British soccer out there, you know, yeah. like just really crushing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
we did uh we did figure out why because it was a big mystery why that guy was standing in the middle of the course all of a sudden yeah. on lap like seven or whatever um apparently a spectator dropped their glasses out into the course and he was uh retrieving oh, them good and, samaritan uh, yeah so he gets the brownie points award but uh his quote was i didn't realize how fast vanderpool would be coming <laughs> so is everyone okay it seems like it okay good Here's the next question. We're not the cross experts. I mean, we're experts in a lot of things. As an example, we were among, well, we were the very first to report that Kate Courtney was leaving Specialized to go to Scott um, yep. team. So I feel like we have a high horse to get up on. That's true. So now some other people did report it, like Pinkbike and Vital yes. had rumors that she was leaving Specialized, but they didn't go as far to say what she was doing and that it was a done deal, which is, yeah. uh, you know, something, a cliff we were willing to jump off of. Yeah, we're definitely willing to jump off a lot of cliffs. Yeah. We, we get tips all the time sent to us. Um, yeah. You know, we only report what we hear. But here's the thing. That, like, we're not the experts that are going to, like, read, like, play back, like, what is happening out there. You know, that's what you can get right. at the experts over at Crosshairs Radio, Crosshairs mm-hmm. Television, right? That's, that's where you're going to get that in-depth analysis. However... Spencer, on the spot, Bill was saying the other day on Twitter that, uh, you know, Wout Van Aert starting to pick up steam a little bit and looks like he's racing for the postseason. Oh, yeah. Matthew Vanderpool has just been racing for the regular season. So on right now, Spencer, yeah, what are the percentage chances that Wout Van Aert repeats as the Cyclocross World Champion? Uh, 95%. That he repeats. Okay. Is that Vanderpool is, gonna be hurt or is it gonna be muddy? Like what's the Vanderpool is gonna be hurt in his feelings when he finishes second place to Wout Van Aert. Cyclocross fans are amazing to me. Amazing to me because we remember the mud at a specific race in 2003 when Sven <laughs> made this move over this, you know, off camber, whatever. Like, we remember exactly that, but we have this short-term memory lapse where we seem to not remember at all what happened last year where Vanderpool dominated every single race all through the season and everybody's like, well, Wout should just give up. Why is he even here and then he wins worlds because he is laser focused on one thing, and that is winning worlds. And he so, will win worlds. He knows uh, how to win worlds, and he does not like his his trajectory is exactly the same as last year. As the former president of the Anybody But Wout fan club, yeah. And I I flip flopped. I saw the light. I want Wout Van Aert to win this championship so damn bad. It'd just be awesome. I want this to become the um, the albatross, the Achilles heel of Vanderpool's career that he yeah. is. Because we're going to get to this in just a second. We're going to segue over. But I would love it if Wout Van Aert always just beats him in one race a year and it's yeah. the world championship. So yeah. every time there's that jersey <laughs> light up next to him, it'd be great. Yeah. So, I was at a New Year's Eve Eve party last night. New Year's Good Eve, f- Eve. Friend of the pod, listener okay. of the pod, gentleman named Steve Selby here in Orlando, powerhouse. Great draft to sit behind. He's like s- six foot six. He also wears AG2R jerseys on the ride, which is just 
amazing. And they're the older AG2R jerseys with kind of the weird like camouflage like oh, pattern. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like almost the polka dots. Okay. So Steve knows cycling. He is a a devout fan, enough to wear an AG2R jersey. So oh, yeah. he knows enough about cycling. If, if you're willing to spend $90 on AG2R paraphernalia, you are a fan. Yeah. And he's a, but he's a, he's a roadie. He's a classic roadie, like diesel. Oh, just let me, strong. let me, let me rephrase that. If you're willing to spend $90 on AT, AG2R memorabilia, you are definitely a roadie fan of cycling. <laughs> yes. So here's the question though, that he, I tell him all about Matthew Vanderpool. Okay. Coming to Flanders. I'm talking him up. Sure. And he's just like, eh, what has he really done? You know, like, who is this guy? And I say, well, he's the Dutch national road champion and yeah. the Dutch mountain bike champion. He, he, he's the former UCI cyclocross world champion. I even went back and dug out that he is the former UCI junior road race champion. Okay. And he's... He's turning 24 in about two weeks, middle of January here. Okay. And he's like, well, yeah. So hopefully he just doesn't become another Frank Vandenbroek, right? Yeah. Like, like that's the, and cause he'll go like, well, what is Lars Boom? What is Zednik Steinbard done? How do you explain Vanderpool to a roadie? Like, are we overselling here? Are, are cyclocross fans being the, oh, I saw them when they were cool. I saw them before they were cool. A little bit. Like indie rock fans. A little bit, but uh, Lars Boom, that's fair. Um, he, he like, flashed in the pan. He had a couple good TT results maybe his first year or two on the road. But, you know, he's just been, like, a solid pack-riding guy uh, since. But to dismiss Stebar is a little... I've raised an eyebrow to that because he's had some very good results on the road. Some, some very high-quality results. You know, he is a perennial could-win-Perry-Roubaix guy that rides for the biggest powerhouse team that there is for the classics and stuff. Uh, and they haven't like fired him or anything. So obviously he's, he can do it. You know, I would think a roadie would respect that. I did. I guess that the sure a, ro- a roadie should expect that. I would, I would think that, that maybe he, he will in the long term. I just think that the ceiling of Vanderpool is so much higher. I think he's got the ability to go down as one of the greatest cyclists of at least the last 50 years because of the sheer fact of his multidiscipline. He yeah. will win the mountain bike Olympic gold medal. Like there's no reason why I, I can't think of anybody that's going to beat him because he's going to be two years old. Like he's already yeah. proved that he's world-class in the mountain bikes, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. He is proven that he can race on the road, like because he got second at the, European road championships, which is basically like the world championships. Yeah, it is. You know, it's second there. Yeah. And then he wins the Dutch national championships. Like we were talking a little bit in the green room. That's, that's, that's not something to shake your stick at. I mean, that's a a pretty solid win. There's some guys in that field that, you know, people have heard of like, I don't know, Tom Dumoulin, you know, like there's a lot of Dutch riders that are pretty fast. That's the, I just think that there's, they're all very tall. I, I'm just curious as to how we can temper our expectations, but then totally so, prepare ourselves. So I can tell Steve, I told you so at his yeah. first like legit event. 
Here's the problem and, is is we know that Vanderpool has a higher ceiling than Wout Van Aert. And Wout Van Aert went out and got second at Strada Bianca, which is more or less a spring classic monument. Yeah. Um, and like to, to hit a podium in a race of that caliber and to then be talked up for, for other races of that caliber. Uh, and then get third at the road championships that yeah. Vanderpool got second at. Right, exactly. Like Vanderpool, if, if Vanderpool comes out and is even as good as Wout, the roadies should be shaking in their boots. Well, uh, I still don't think Sagan is concerned, but as cycling fans, we should be excited by what I, the, both of these guys are going to bring to the races. So what's the minimum expectation for us? And we'll, we'll end it with this. Like, what what would you say beyond, like, what does Vanderpool need to do to have a career that warrants the excitement that cyclocross fans and mountain bike fans have for this guy on the road versus, like, him being a draft bust, for example? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, we don't want him to be the next Greg Oden um, out there. Yeah. Um, How many I mean, monuments does he need to win? He's, he's probably going to be the guy that wins all five. <laughs> like, if he doesn't win all five, it's, you've been a bust, Matthew. Like, no, but I, I, not that he'd be a bust if he didn't, but I actually think he might be okay, the guy who does it. Let's, let's go through the five that he'd win. He, he's definitely going to win um, Roubaix. Yep. He will win Tour of Flanders. Yep. He, Milan San Remo may be a little bit of a tough one. But he'll maybe in, he can get he'll over the in... Poggio first, or he can do like the Cancellara move. Yeah. Okay. He will win um, Liege. Like I could see that happening for sure. Uh, yeah, he's he's like the scrawny, he's a like, scrawny climbery guy, who's wiry but still can ride Roubaix. You know, like he's the perfect storm. <laughs> sure, Roubaix, and then lastly, it's a little too late in the season, but the Japan Cup may not be exactly his strengths like i'm might, a little worried about the climbing at yeah the well it might also conflict with cycle cross season if he's still racing yeah that might be the uh the, the tough one for him to get that's gonna I be d- tricky i would just say that he needs to at the minimum need needs to win roubaix and flanders to have a at the minimum a successful road career for like what he is able to do right now and the expectations that everyone that's a cycle cross fan is putting on him Sure. He, and a mountain bike gold medal slash World Cup champion. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is he could very easily pull a Pauline Fravon Provo and yes. win the worlds in all disciplines. He could do that. He is that oh. caliber of racer. You know what would be the best if he's like, you know what? I'm going to the you know trials world championship and he goes <laughs> to like cycle ball or something and you're just yeah. like, oh my God, artistic cycling. Anyways, well- I'm excited about the upcoming uh, season. Is there anything else on the the recent cross races, Spencer? I know that you guys were able to watch um, a fair amount. I was traveling um, back from the land of of cold mm-hmm. and miser- miser- misery. Yeah, the, the the holiday season is tough for us to make podcasts, but it is very easy to watch cycle cross uh, because you know we're in the Christmas period here where there's racing almost every day. Um, just the other day, we had one of my favorite races, uh, which was Degum. We talked a little bit about it goes through the it's the nighttime cyclocross race and it goes through the town center. Yes. So cool. So weird. 
I don't know how they get permission to do that, but it's incredible. It's one you guys should look up on YouTube if you can. Uh, women's race was fantastic all the way through. Um, we got a great show from Sana Kant uh, with some excellent racing skills. We got to see Eva Lechner's big sunglasses, which were fantastic as always. Um, nobody rocks the glasses like she does in the professional peloton, men or women, road or cycle cross. Uh, what was the race that, uh, was it the, was it Nomura? Like what was the world cup that was going on like a week ago where Stephen Hyde was getting in 16th place and then Bill yes. from Crosshairs tweets, uh, out, Hey, he must've listened to the slow ride podcast once and he gets 16th or 17th. And then Hannibal Jerkin, um, fan of the pod has a slays the tweets by going, I had a tweet all queued up and everything and everything, but T things happen sometimes. It's yeah. such a good play on words because he got bumped out of that spot by Tease. Yeah. Tease Harris. Oh, so um, good. Excellent tweets. We had some, uh, actually we had some kind of big news that I thought was really cool was Helen Wyman, who was actually co-commentating on that Degum race. Um, she spearheaded her Helen 100 project. Um, mm-hmm for the world cup that happened just before that, uh, to get a hundred women in the race, um, among all the fields. And she also, uh, funded the first ever junior women's race. That has never happened at a world cup before it. They always, amazing. it's incredible. They always have to race with the U 23s. So you got 16 year old girls racing against 23 year old women. Can I ask a question? Why yeah. did she have to fund that? Like, I mean, I know the answer. Okay, you know the answer, but like, um, I think she was determined to see it happen, and that was a way okay. to make it happen. She she was actually talking about this uh, on the commentary. She was calling around a bunch of races and, and pitching the idea, and people were like, eh, not super interested. And Erwin um, Vervecken was a promoter uh, uh, of the race that, that did it, and it was the first race... That it was the race that had the first ever women's U23 race like 10 years ago as well. So um, do you think that she, like her idea, and maybe she talked about this on, she was on GCN, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Was, she, was her rationale like, oh, if I can show that it can be successful, yeah. therefore other races would do it? Yeah. And it's a way to showcase those racers, you know, um, and to actually give them a fair race because they know who they're racing against. You know, you know how it is being like a, a three in a three, four field as a cat four. Like you don't know who you're actually racing against, you know, who's the other fours. Anyway, um, she actually said uh, for that race, which was super early in the morning, like 8 a.m. or something to fit in the schedule. Um, she said Sven Nice was out there. Uh, Sven Venturnout was out there. Bart Wellens was out there. Uh, all these guys who run the big teams in Europe, right? And they I'm were cheering sc- on. They were scouting. Question. No, they were scouting because they were like, oh my God. we know how big women's the women's elite race is now, how much better television coverage it's getting, how much better ratings it's getting. We need to know who the next star is going to be. And in the women's junior race is where to find them. So they were all out scouting. And that's you awesome. Know, I- we're going to talk about this in a little bit um, with uh, uh, we got a great email about uh, Trek and what they're doing with the women's team. 
Yeah. And I think this is all going in. It's such an exciting time. I mean, that's why I, um, I really enjoy having Abby on the podcast. I'm looking forward to having her um, for our Jersey draft uh, coming up for the women's world tour teams. Mm-hmm. But I mean, pretty damn exciting. And I didn't know that about the Helen 100. I think that Helen Wyman has done such a good job of kind of promoting these types of events and mm-hmm. also being a good figurehead that uh, I'm very excited about uh, uh, yeah. this. So It's so cool. cool. And there's so much cool stuff going on in that women's field. We we, we saw Yolanda Neff racing uh, cyclocross. Well, we saw her bunny hop in. Amazing. We got to get to this because Eva Lechner, fan of the podcast. Yeah. And probably arguably... One of our favorite cyclocross racers. One of, one of our best friends. Yeah. We, we have a picture to prove it. It's we great. Do. Eva Lechner out there, who's been crushing it. Swaps teams, doing awesome. Now yeah. Leading the, leading the way. Um, she's definitely on the forefront she, of racing. Like, she's she's definitely up there in races, usually with the whole shot and, you know, kind of a good, good start. But yeah. she's definitely crushing the, the gl- sunglasses game. Oh, yeah, to which absolutely. a level that they're the glasses that we always say no one else can pull off. Like they just, and she does it and she's got these glasses and they're the huge shades. And then, so we put this on Twitter and then American racer, Leslie Etheridge also just tweets us with a picture saying, always channeling my inner Bika Eva with these shades. And then also we get a tweet from Reagan Pringle. You sure about that? Because Yolanda Neff also is running these. So, I'm mm-hmm. starting to think that Eva Lechner really is on the vanguard just from being she's in the sunglasses a, game. Yeah, she's a fashion icon for sure. Yeah. Now, the glasses are pretty big. They're I'm pretty big. I'm not 100% a fan. I'm a fan of Eva Lechner, so oh, by de facto, I'm coming around to him. Did you hear what you said there? Is you're not 100% a fan. I know. You like yeah, that? That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think... I think the big glasses trend is obviously a thing all over. And I think we've talked about this before, but the only one that can pull it off is Eva Lechner. Like somehow, I don't know if it's the Italian stylings or, or just if it's just in her soul uh, or what, (laughs) but uh, she can pull it off where everyone else looks a little weird. Yeah. She's going to have to carry the, uh, the people legacy moving forward. And it may be through the sunglasses. So, all right. Well, at the end of, uh, uh, coming up, we've got a bunch of listener emails, tweets, a lot of things to get through, mm-hmm. and uh, let's get into this pre-lap. Yeah, we got the uh, tour of Australia coming up, and we're looking forward to getting our bling oh. report. And Here is Matthew Vanderpool, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All right, Spencer, we've reached the prem lap again, and we have pretty big news in Wide Angle Podium land. Once again, go to WideAnglePodium.com, see the family of shows. We just recently added the gravel lot to the show, yeah. uh, to yeah. the program, uh, based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and it is a fantastic show, really well produced. I love yeah. everything about it. Um, I'm excited to have them on board. We have the uh, Bike Shop CX, Crosshairs Radio, Consummate Athlete. And of course, uh, slow ride reviews. Um, so, the most exciting, exciting thing I think about the gravel lot is um, I thought it was going to be all about gravel. That yeah. show, that show is not about gravel racing. No, it's please, they go may take a listen. Yeah, you. I don't want to say it too much because they might <laughs> stop listening to us. 
it's that good of a show. It's yeah, it's a kind of a worry. It's true. Yeah. Um, it's, they have they have a different style. They have a different you know. They're fun. They have a interview style show. Uh, a little different. Not about gravel, guys. Don't no. be worried. Yeah, now, it's th- not about gravel, and it comes out every Friday, I believe. I think they're pushing yes. for Friday morning releases. Uh, you know, we uh we're we're excited about that. So go check that out and. When you're also at the wideanglepodium.com, you look at that right side on the skyscraper, you're going to see the link to our brand new Grimper Brothers coffee. Hello, cyclocross friends from yes. Grimper Brothers. And this, Spencer, you're our coffee expert. You're the aficionado. You're the barista that has shepherded me through the coffee game because I am still a rookie. Yeah. Why is this espresso blend the one I want? Well, it's the one that supports the shows that you love on the Wide Angle Podium Network. That's that's the number one reason you want to buy it. But as a very nice consolation prize to that good, warm, fuzzy feeling, it's really good coffee. Grimper Brothers, uh, they know their stuff. If you were out at Nationals, you probably got some coffee from them. They were out there slinging, uh, slinging their beans. Dan has been at every Nationals for as long as I can remember uh, serving up coffee. I remember getting coffee from him, uh, when he was slinging it, uh, free out of his hotel room at Interbike, uh, years ago. Like this is, this man is dedicated to his craft and the beans are really good. Psychocross friends, uh, blend, uh, shout out to the Psychocross radio show, um, tagline, it's really good. It really complements the full Schleck nicely. So we've got two blends up there now. And uh, I've actually, we've got a hot link for you, Tim, a brand new one. Wideanglepodium.com slash coffee will take you right where you need to go for both of oh, those blends. Awesome. Wideanglepodium.com coffee. Go support the network, but most importantly, get some fresh coffee sent to you. It'd be fantastic. Hello, Cyclocross friends. Compliments that full Schleck. Um, also, the uh another show uh, we, we always talk about bike shop cx the mechanics in the room right the yeah. almost the adults in the room you guys know me not exactly the biggest mechanic in the world yeah. um i yeah. showed up on a bike ride the other day spencer and i i looked down at my rear tire and i was like wow i have a bald spot on my tire okay and then i looked a little bit more and i was like wow i really have another bald spot um 3,500 miles on my Vittoria Rubinos that uh, yeah. you recommended to me a long, long time ago. Yeah. 3,500 miles in the year, not one single flat. So I am pretty much sold on these for life. I have them on my head Ardain rims, which are a little tough to put on because they're like tubeless ready rims. I've got to you know, finesse them on there. Yeah. But okay. I, I took them off. I took a video. I asked the Bike Shop CX guys on our Facebook page, the Slow Ride uh uh, fan experience zone. Yeah. And I believe Scott Diedenbach's recommendation was that a little bit of a, a Sharpie color, color in those bald spots a little bit with a Sharpie. I'd be, I'd be good to go for at least another 3,500 miles. Perfect. Yeah. That sounds like a good solution. Yeah. So anyways, those, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, th- those tires were rugged, Tim. I cannot believe that, you were still riding those. I was embarrassed when I took those off and it was enough that <laughs> when I was holding them up, people were like, are they wire bead? Because the, they, they had been so set in their ways on this tire that they were in like perfect uh, shape. But yeah. yeah, the Spencer, these were, I, I might keep this tire just and, and bring it to the bike swap 
in February here and see if I can get a couple bucks for it, just for the joke of having that in my on my table yeah. for someone to look at. Be mm-hmm. like, ah, five bucks. See, let's see. You price it at five, you'll take two, and uh, you know somebody will lowball you at one, but uh, don't take it. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm Joe Dombrowski from Cannondale Drop Pack, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, so we've got quite a few listener emails, tweets. We've got some uh, Instagram DMs. DMs are always open. Go to the Slow Ride Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find us on uh, email at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. And then also in Facebook, like I was saying, at the Facebook fan zone just the official the slow ride podcast official fan experience zone yeah fantastic so the first thing that came across to me i was tweeted by a friend of mine in scotland and he has a uh he has a habit to be really into like non-cycling photos of cycling teams or of people in kits professional riders and kits not doing cycling things. Okay. And he was the first one to uh, alert me to the wonderful annual tradition that is the quick step photo shoot. In the past, we've uh, yes. seen the pillow fights. Mm-hmm. We have seen the the fake sleeping. Yep. Um, and this year, brand new, they take it one step even higher. And that, of course, is that they have the trampolines yep. um, being used. Very exciting to see. So, yeah, a lot of stuff. lot of lot of bouncing cyclist photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. full but kit, just full kit. Um, all right, Creed Monster, one of the longtime members of the uh, the supporters of the network and a, a big fan of ours, uh, tweeted us saying that he was heading out to uh, Brainerd, Minnesota. Yeah. Now, f- for a um, a snowmobile trip. Got any pointers or advice? You know I lean on you guys heavily for life advice. So he's loading up the circus, heading to Brainerd. And he's in St. Louis, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he's going to be heading up north, um, getting out of uh, St. Louis, which is always a good thing for the Slow Ride Pod. And as he's up there in Brainerd, he wants to know what to do. So the first thing of advice I have for uh, the Creed Monster is, I hope to God he has a snowmobile with heated hand um, grips, the heated grips. Yeah, I mean, you've ever seen these, but snowmobiles they have heated grips. It's the greatest invention of all time, but only snowmobiles after like 1998. So it's a very important thing. So hopefully, he has an upgrade <laughs> here on that. Hopefully. Now, most of my Brainerd experience is around the Brainerd International Raceway, where you mm-hmm. can go do some, uh, you know, drag strip racing. So some I would assume laps. you could take a snowmobile out there, go do some hot laps, and. Uh, <laughs> Do a quarter mile. Mm-hmm. Um, what what else do you think? Like, what, how would you explain Brainerd? It's so, a Paul Bunyan statue, right? Now Brainerd is in Minnesota. I don't know if you covered that bit of it or oh, not. Sorry, so sorry. we should yeah. have some some intimate knowledge of things to do in Minnesota, uh, being that we're all you know spent a lot of time in that state. It's a cold and terrible place. It's basically Greenland. Uh, for our UK <laughs> listeners. Um, and so, I mean, the main thing you do, if you've got a snowmobile and you're up in northern Minnesota, don't be afraid to use it. That's my biggest tip is like, you got to go to the grocery store. You got to go to the, you got to go to the bar. 
take the snowmobile. Like you don't uh, need you don't need a car anymore once you're in northern Minnesota. You cross you cross a certain latitude in Minnesota, you may as well not own a car. The snowmobile is all you need and a fish house, an ice fishing uh, house. Yeah, so you definitely need a fish house. I was going to just take a quick tangent when I went to school for a year at Northern Michigan University in the lovely town of Marquette, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um I saw kids taking snowmobiles to school. And that's that's about the same latitude as Brainerd. Yeah. So if kids can take it to college, a snowmobile, you can take that to the bowling alley. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, just show up at the bowling. There's probably snowmobile parking right next mm-hmm. to the handicapped parking. It'll <laughs> be closer to the door. Yeah. Um, oh, well, have fun on your trip. Uh, well, you know, send back some pictures of you with Paul Bunyan. Maybe go curling with the Olympic team. I'm sure they're hanging out there. Yeah. At the, uh, the local brew, uh, you know, throwing back some brews. But uh, anyways, um, let's get into a couple of the emails that came across that uh, definitely uh, struck my fancy. First, a major shout out to Michael Stone from uh, Northwest England. He always uh, uh, sends in some good emails. Hello, chaps and Abby. Um, Yorkshire could be hosting the start of the Vuelta in a couple of years time. Negotiations ongoing. The Vuelta may be going to Yorkshire, England. So you heard it here first on the Slide Pod. That's not in Spain. It's I'm not. confused. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I mean, it. You know, these things happen. All but right. The bigger, Michael. I, we'll see if this turns out to be true. It, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, the tour of Yorkshire. Mike has emailed us uh, previously. He also, let us know that they announced the tour of Yorkshire 2019. So, courses and. From the sounds of it, it's pretty awesome. Now, this is like the race yeah. that is in the backyard of like Dowling and the Condor JLT team, rest in peace. And, uh, you know, that kind of level. But then also some pro tour teams go. Right. You got to, you know, you got to pick up the jiffy bag every now and then. And, uh, you know, they go are up to the uh, England. They're doing good things with their women's race. It's getting there. Um, I know they're doing equal pr- uh, prizes and things like that. Like, there's some really cool stuff going on in Yorkshire. Um, yes. And what and Mike uh, brought up to us, uh, the, the cool thing that he brought up was that even though it's not going four stages, so it's not exactly where it needs to be yet, and everyone, I hope, agrees to that, is that the women and men's stages that do exist, they're both riding the same exact courses. Yeah. So same awesome. distance. They're not, you know, they're not dumbing it down. Right. right. They're going to they're make it right. So I'm pretty excited um, to see that. So thanks again for uh, Mike to send in the email. Um, we also we got a couple of million dollar Tim suggestions that we're just going to put in the <laughs> bank um, for later. But okay. uh, Ian Darling hits us up with an email. Hey, guys, I have two pressing questions. You seem the only folks capable of answering. Number one, I just saw a photo of Tom Pidcock's bike with the European champs color scheme. Of course, oh, he won the beautiful uh, yeah. U23 European cross national championships or, world, you know, continental championships. It is beautiful. If Brexit goes, th- or did he win the road? I'm sorry. But anyways, if Brexit goes through, does he have to give it back? Does he have to paint the bike black, start the race <laughs> on the bike, and then switch midway through? I mean, this is a very good question. It With is- Brexit coming, are they still part of the European Championship? Tough to say. I uh, Yeah, um, it seems like probably not. Well... Let's just assume, let's just make it hilarious and say that, of course, he has to give the bike back to them and he has to paint it black because he's, you know, 
that's just he's gonna have to put out the pull out the duct tape to cover the uh, stripes, and it's gonna be amazing. And I love this premise, and it's so good. So it's good. very good. Feel um, bad for Tom though. But Ian asks a you know a more important question. I alluded to it earlier. He says, "Is it okay to like Trek again?" I was on Team Lamond when they were when there was the nasty separation between the two. Uh, weren't we all? Yes, we all were. Especially being from Minnesota. Trek was part of the evil empire then. And they supported Lance. I swore them off. But now they keep doing cool stuff. First with the free streams of Euro cross races. Then a real commitment to women's cycling through equal prize money and supporting strong teams and riders. How should I deal with the lingering resentment? Thanks for your wisdom. Ian. I think this is a great question. And I want to say that Trek made... I, I felt... Things really changed for Trek right around 2013, 2012. Oh, so Lance's they... comeback. No, but there was like, <laughs> they started making, yeah, maybe, but they started yeah. making a change in the cyclocross realm. Like they started showing up at USGP in uh, Louisville. Like they had like the flags. I just kind of remember there was like a, a different uh, Trek vibe. Okay. They changed let the me, color uh, let scheme. Me, let me give you my, my take on this because... I understand what Ian's saying because I am very much in the same camp. I, I'm in the Trek camp, though. No. I If I had owned a Trek at the time, which I didn't, uh, when, when all the Le Mans stuff went down, I would have lit it on fire. I would have been one of those people burning my Nikes or whatever people are mad about when they're protesting things on Twitter these days. Um, I would have taken the, the, the Trek out into the front yard and lit it on fire and swore it off and, you know, never again... But I have, like like Ian, in the last few years, really, at first was conflicted. You know, like you, you think, okay, well, they, they made a couple of smart marketing moves. Like, of course, you know, like they're a big company. They're going to make some smart moves eventually. And you kind of like, uh, yeah, whatever. And then they keep doing cool stuff. And then they keep doing it. And then they did stuff like funding the World Cup equal payout at their race out of pocket without any reason to do that. You know what I mean? Like there's no financial benefit for them. They've already got a world cup. They've already got all the media attention. They've like, there's nothing more you can get from that besides they just felt like it was the right thing to do. And yeah, yeah, like you're kind of saying there's a changing of the guard somewhere. I don't know. I assume there's new people in positions of wherever in within the company, but it is if if I had to buy a bike, I would strongly consider Trek among my options. Yeah, they're just doing cool stuff, and it's it's a changing of the guard, and I appreciate it. They're given the support, and I, well done, bravo to them, and I'm pretty excited about it. And it's it's making cyclocross accessible. It's making women's racing more accessible, mm-hmm. and it's making it exciting they're sponsoring teams and yeah. a women's team and the men there's just so much great stuff there i know you alluded to a lot of it but i just yes it there there is some of that lingering resentment because i was definitely in greg lamond camp but for sure i gave yeah. him a business card to join our team all those years ago at the bike trade show mm-hmm. it was amazing and he didn't he didn't ever showed up but anyways <laughs> um more dubious national championship jerseys. Uh, friend of the pod, Jeff Aldrich out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, hits us up. Happy holidays to everyone's favorite pod hosts. 
In a recent article about Zwift's recent closing of $120 million in private equity funding and the launch of a new eSports cycling league, mm-hmm. there was mention that both British Cycling and Cycling Australia will soon be awarding the first ever national championship jerseys for e-racing. Yeah. Well, that makes sense yes. makes sense for the UK since they are uh, with the Brexit thing. You know, that's pretty much all they're going to have. Absolutely true. And, you know, there is no borders when you're on Zwift. In fact, you're on your own island. It's (laughs) kind of amazing. Does Watopia have a national championship jersey? I don't know this. And furthermore, does the UK have a trade agreement with Watopia? Are they going to have to renegotiate that one, too? And it's just further down the list, you know? Yeah, it probably is pretty low. How long till USA Cycling has a national champion for e-cycling? Um... It's hard to say because, uh, you know, with Derek Bouchard-Hall stepping away uh, again, another end of the era tomorrow as his contract expires, um, you know, I feel like he would have been on board. Uh, He would have probably tried to figure out how to win that national championship uh, quick before he left office. But, um, you know, with him leaving, I don't know how on the ball USA Cycling is going to be going forward with the uh, national championships they can award themselves. Um, Hopefully they... uh Hopefully they listened to our podcast where we gave suggestions on their hiring and what can be done to fix it. It's true. Um, so go back a few episodes. It's there. We'll get your number later. Thing is, is now we talked in the past about what small country we can move to, to become a national champion of a country. And, uh, you know, there were various ideas bandied about, but this seems even more tangible like more realistic to me like we would I, still need to move, I could try to immigrate to iceland and become the the road race champion there but i i have to imagine there's at least one other cyclist there which means i don't have that good of a chance it's not even 50 50 i thought you were going like, to go say like you wanted to move to watopia and become the watopia How's that expensive? <laughs> there's like twelve thousand people on that island and they're all cyclists yeah, you well, know, the, like, the, <laughs> Watopia, the taxes are way too high. I yeah. can't move there. Like, no, but I could move. I could immigrate to Iceland and become the Zwift national champion because I'm guessing the internet connections there aren't as uh, hardwired as they might need to be for good download speeds and stuff. And people probably gave up on it back when it was in beta and things like that. Oh, yes. Good point. The wheels are gone. Matt Watts, friend of the pod, sends out to us. You may remember that Matt was posting his wheels on the Facebook marketplace group, right? like an old uh, wheel set. And our recommendation was you can't go there. You got to go, you got to go, you got to give the people what they want. And that is on eBay. Mm -hmm. Don't mess around with the Facebook marketplace. It's eBay is, is the place to be. And he says, number one, eBay is a great place to sell things. People like bidding and winning. Gravel in the keyword and title was clutch advice. Because that was the <laughs> second part of our advice was just throw gravel in there as much as possible. Yep. And finally, this is a, a non-sponsor plug, but I totally agree with him. Bike Flights is a great company for shipping bike stuff. And yep. I totally agree. They get great rates. It's super easy to use. Yep. I ship back my mountain bike from Schwamigenland. Yep. Uh, so did I. No problems, you know. So thanks for the guidance, Matt Watts. Matt, friend of the pod, easily one of the greatest names of any cycling fan of all time. 
So Matt, you keep uh, you keep crushing out there. I think you're up in North Carolina now. I used to ride with Matt here in uh, Gain- at Gainesville, but anyways, very uh, very exciting to see. Um, we also, uh, as we go kind of a little more rapid fire, Michael Gordon hit us um, up with a nice uh, Klein Fervor uh, based in Wichita, like just to give us a a gauge. I think it's important that people let us know what Kleins are going for. So you may remember I right. bought a Climb um, Performance, a uh, basically their their touring bike in Seattle that was for five hundred dollars came also with a Fenders and a Brooks saddle, so a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, it's some additional add-ons at five hundred. Uh, this was a four hundred dollar Fervor, which had you know did have the internal cable routing. Um, it, yeah. it looks good. It's a size small, but at four hundred bucks, so this seems a little bit on the bottom of the uh, the Klein market pricing that I see. They're not the mm-hmm. flashy color schemes, but you know, just something to keep in mind. Like, you're, you, if you oh, see yeah. a bike around five hundred dollars for a Klein, it's it's a good price at this point. You should. It's buy wor- it. Yeah, it's worth a second look for sure. If it yeah. fits you, you probably just go home with it. Yeah, like that. You know, that I, I think it's just important to kind of see that. Um, Stephen Schilling, Stephen Schilling, uh, hit us up and just uh, you know, let us know that there's another uh, one of those outskirt films just to make sure that we still do our bike packing trip in uh mississippi spencer so hmm. you know you might want to watch that to see if you can really get into the passion that is uh bike touring yeah, i don't know what um, you're talking about <laughs> and then we didn't even know that we had uh dms coming through our instagram feed um but we've we've had quite a few um coming through so first up blue monday uh has hit us up and it was a movie star post that had uh pictures of the big three Nairo, Valverde, and Landa. And it was like Giro Vuelta, Tour Vuelta, you know, just like basically like, and all he said was, tell Tim that Movistar is upping their infographic game. So it showed what rider was doing what event. Yep. So, you know, Valverde, Giro Vuelta, you know, Nairo, Tour Vuelta, and then Landa, Giro Tour. And it was just kind of funny that maybe Movistar is getting a little bit into the 21st century of uh, promotion. One can hope. One can only hope that that is that is true. Um, we did get a uh, a good one here from um, uh, race race wheels and barbells. Now, Spencer, we were talking a little bit about this. Recently moved to Austin, Texas. Um, I really hope that you uh, uh, you know. Basically, he he races the the driveway series, which is in Austin, Texas, which is like the big training crit series. Sure. Right. And he wants to know if he can do about 100% of his training on Zwift for that. About 100%. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's trying to get back in the game is yeah. what it is. Is he's, he's been out of the game for a little while. And Tim, I I, I feel like you might know something about this. Um, yeah, just getting you know, back in. When he's you're, a competitive cat four right now. Right. And uh, if if you want to get back in the game and you want to come into those those spring, you know, I've never been to the driveway series in Austin, Texas, but if it's anything like the Opus series was in Minnesota or most uh, Tuesday night crit series is all over the country, it is the world championships uh, for the week, right? Like everybody's flying. Everybody wants to impress. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the one race most people might, maybe the only race people do. Um, so you want to be going good for it. Can you train 100% on Zwift for an actual crit like this, Tim, do you, th- yes, what do you, absolutely. what do you think? You think as so? a cat four? Absolutely. Because 
I think he could get to three just doing the Zwift for sure. And what level on Zwift do you need to be to like level 30 by the time you, you know, does that mean you're definitely going to be able to get on Alpto West? What are you like level 15? At okay. that point? All right. Fair enough. I, I think, I think I agree with you. I think you can, uh, get yourself fit enough on the trainer on Zwift, uh, to, to compete, to have fun, to hang out in the pack, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. You're not just going to be pedaling around on Zwift. Like you're going to have to do some work. You know, you're like you're going to have to watch your FTPs and and get that number going higher and higher and work do a lot of those sprints workouts. Um that John's mix, oh my god, under their training thing. That that can be a pretty brutal workout. I'd try that one. Do a bunch of those. Um don't just go soft pedaling around thinking you're you're going to be fit. Uh you're going to have to work for it, but it can be done. Yes, it, it can be done and it should be done. Just do it on Zwift, but just don't take my title as the, um, I think mm-hmm. Armenia e-cycling national champion, because I think I could still claim Armenia for, um, like Olympic per, uh, purposes. Okay. So I think that I could, you know, there's probably a way that I could maybe do that. My only fear is that, um, if Chris Horner is already racing tour of Azerbaijan, he might just go 60 miles to the West and claim a similar, uh, allegiance to our media. Then I'm, then I'm out of, uh, luck, but well, anyway, fingers crossed him. Um, we got a good review. Um, people, uh, always leave us reviews over on the iTunes. I uh, want to thank major shout out to Jonathan Crane. This podcast mm-hmm. is laterally stiff and vertically compliant. Um, that was probably one of the, uh, yes. Was this review helpful? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, Hopefully that floats up to the top. Thanks, Jonathan, out of Birmingham, one of the more underrated cities in the U.S., especially for riding. And he continues to crush it. So, Spencer, is there anything else you could think of that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, let's see. Let me check my notes. Quick step on a trampoline. Uh, January 1st, Jersey Jumble. No, I think we've got everything. I think we do have everything. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we miss little guy. He'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. We'd also like to thank Grimper Brothers for their brand new Hello Cyclocross Friends Espresso Blend Coffee. We also like to thank the subscribers and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. If you like what you hear, check out the website. There's some fantastic shows. Um, definitely give the gravel lot a listen. Can't say it enough. It's not just about gravel racing, so check it out. <laughs> and uh, we'd also like to thank uh, BK one of Rhymesters entertainment for the intro and outro music. Probably one of my favorite parts of the show is the yeah. intro. And I think most people probably like the outro. And, uh, with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. The end of an era is upon us, but I still can say right now that I am the 2018 Schwamigan fat tire festival showdown winner and people. Thank you for a wonderful career. Mm-hmm. And in Boston, Massachusetts, this is Spencer reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road because you're not a jerk. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePodcast. Thank you.